Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 132 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And in this episode, kind of a shorter one, just because we just came off a international break. Semi-exciting, also semi-kind of mad because it's international break and no one really enjoys international break, except if you're a U.S. men's national team fan, they did beat Mexico. Uh, Dos Hasiro beat them 2-0. Christian Pulisic thrown some shade at Mema Ochoa of Mexico, but, you know, that's for the U.S. audience right there. But um, some decent news or less exciting news came out in the Premier League during this international break. We saw uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer not get fired. He still has a job, probably will have his job for the rest of the season. As we mentioned in last week's episode, uh, Steven, uh, or Stevie G, Steven Gerard, or Gerard got his job at uh, Aston Villa leaving Rangers. But um, Aston Villa's former coach, Dean Smith, um, ended up getting the Norwich City job, which... At a time, or I would say last week, it was rumored that Frank Lampard might get the position, but Lampard um, eventually just turned it down. I think there was disagreements on, I guess, the outlook of the club, or maybe Lampard wanted some extra funds and, you know, Norwich weren't really, you know, willing to pocket. Who knows? Disagreements went down and Lampard ended up not taking the job, is now still, you know, out as a free agent, as a coach, but Dean Smith took the job and now his task with basically taking a team that's a definition of a yo-yo club and helping them stay in the Premier League. He did it with Aston Villa two seasons ago, but you know this team does not have a Jack Grealish. This team has Timo Pukki, and that's about it. <laughs> and even that Aston Villa side had to get a little bit of help from the officials during oh, that Oh, yeah, from the Project season. Restart. Yeah, Project Restart, because there's certain... I mean, there's one goal that literally went into the goal, and then VAR <laughs> couldn't see it because it was just covered completely by... The body of a player, which I've never seen before. I didn't know goal line technology could ever fail, but apparently, if you just cover the ball with an entire human body, <laughs> you can't tell. Like the AI or like the computers, like I can't. Where's the ball? I can't even tell. Can't so tell. that literally saved them because the margins to stay in the league were so small. That yeah. Villa stayed in the side or stayed in the Premier League just because of kind of mistakes. Yeah, like and that. Sheffield actually got relegated because. <laughs> because yeah. Of that. So. <laughs> They stayed up that slope. season, but next season, the toll of, you know, not not making in the top half of the Premier League caught up to them. They ended up getting relegated next that next mm-hmm. season. So, I mean, we'll see if Dean Smith can get some cheese into <laughs> that Norwich City side because, I mean, this team is on a nosedive back to the championship. And usually that's how they always are. Like going back from the past few seasons, it's as you mentioned, it's a yo-yo club. They just win the championship like first place typically, and then they just go straight back down 20th place in the Premier League. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dean Smith is just the, you know, the conductor of their ride back down to the championship. And they're just kind of being prepared to have a decent coach for the next season in the championship with Dean Smith. Cause he's all right, but you know, this is there's I still don't think there's no saving this club. It's, it's just going to get relegated. 100%. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100% with that. I think, you know, what you said is actually pretty true because Dean Smith, um, he was with Aston Villa when they were in the championship and brought them back up to the Premier League. He's a good coach. Even Jack Grealish, when he got fired from Aston Villa, when Dean Smith got fired from Aston Villa, Jack Grealish tweeted out some words in support of his coach. And, and as you know, Jack Grealish and Dean Smith had a really good relationship. They were, you know, very, very, you know, they worked well with each other. And obviously Grealish ended up leaving for City because bigger opportunity but still a mutual respect from each other so it seems like 
Dean Smith got along well with all of his players, was a good players manager. So, I mean, that's good for Norwich, you know, maybe next season when they're trying to get back into the Premier League and then maybe they can rebuild from there. But as things stand now, I agree with you that I, I, I don't think they are particularly good enough to stay in the Premier League, um, not with this given squad and not just, yeah, I just don't think they're good enough because they're the definition of a yo-yo club and that's what's going to end up happening again um, for Norwich. Mm-hmm. You can basically put that toast rating right there. It's like, it's it's only November. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's written it's on the be, wall. It's written on the wall. It's written in the stars. The canaries yeah. are going down. Yeah, I mean, but, I, honestly, we... At this point, you should just lock in a bet every time they get back into the Premier League. Just put $100 down for them to get relegated. And I, I feel like you would be up. You'd probably be a millionaire at this point, right? If you put enough money down. This is not down. financial advice, by the way. <laughs> Don't do us. <laughs> but I feel like at this point, you're just going to be, you know, you're literally just going to be on a, on a high. I mean, it's just amazing how they just keep going. They go, they come back up and then they go back down. They come back up and they go back down. It just, have they stayed in the Premier League for more than one season? It's just Baffling. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> then again, we have to see Vegas's odds because if we're anticipating it, I mean, Vegas should probably anticipate it too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe you put in a hundred, you only get like twenty five dollars back. It's like two so, cents. You get two yeah, cents two back cents in return. <laughs> <laughs> the odds are like one to one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like all right, but I mean, I do want to. I do want to quickly mention though that you know after Norwich is getting the Aston Villa manager. There's been a lot of talks this week also that I've just been reading where Steven Gerrard, the new Aston Villa manager, has a lot on his plate than like originally anticipated because, you know, Mm. we kind of mentioned last week he came from a Rangers side that didn't really have that much competition with him because in the Scottish Premier League, as we mentioned, it's really just a two horse race and his win rate is kind of an inflated. It's kind Mm. of at the 64 percent rate. So it's like because, you know, in soccer, you can include draws and losses into the record so he wins 64 percent of his games so he he kind of said it himself this is like a big risk for his own career whether or not it'll kind of benefit him because you know he's coming in with a lot of expectations it turns out where they're trying they're going to see if they can win win out and try to get into europa league or something like that at least so that's kind of surprising to hear like first (laughs) first season in is like all right we're setting the bar high and I mean, they did invest Anything, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's also the Prince's team, the Prince's favorite team from England. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you can't let the Prince down. But at the same time, I feel like from just doing anything from work or just anything in life, it's just you never set the bar high. You always set it kind of low and then over overproduce or like over overachieve. deliver. Yeah, overachieve. So it's kind of risky from him because yeah. like, what if he gets fired? Then it's like all that, all those rumors is like, oh, he could be the next Liverpool coach. He could be the next manager after Klopp one day. Yeah, it kind of just goes out the window. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, I'm sure he factored that risk in it. But I think for him, he, I mean, we talked about this last week, but if he didn't take this job, it's almost like, can you really trust him to give him a high profile, a really high profile job, knowing that he was just at Rangers the whole time? That's kind of one of those career moves where it's going to be a bit of a risk because there's a lot of uncertainty but if it works out it works out but obviously if it doesn't you're kind of left in the left in the dust almost um but i i know i saw a report today that uh on stevie g at least that apparently he's banned ketchup from all the 
cafeteria and everything from Aston Villa. I know a lot of managers have actually done that when it comes to certain items or food items, like maybe ketchup or, you know, hot sauce or some, something like that. Um, obviously we're not, you know, I'm not a food nutritionist, but if you ever look at a normal, just ketchup bottle and some of the ingredients, there's a lot of added sugar to it. Um, obviously you can get the no, you know, less sugar or, or, or no sugar added, but I think, there are some sketchy ingredients in ketchup that maybe, you know, when you're a nutritionist, maybe you can go in and do the science and see specifically what affects players' bodies. So maybe Steven Gerrard sees that and, you know, maybe he's just like, the move is to get away from the ketchup so that we can focus on playing at our most peak performance or having the players at their peak levels of performance all, all day, every day. That's the title right there. Stevie G hates ketchup. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds like some old people stuff that like just randomly they just say you don't know where they got that fact from it's just like yeah you know ketchup leads to cancer or something like that and it's like you should probably not eat it but i mean i think it kind of more stems to just kind of instilling this kind of discipline where it's like all right we're just gonna be healthy you know yeah. be like peak performance even, and even maybe that's even Xavi, um, when he came back, now that he's Barcelona's manager, I think there was a Ten Commandments that he put out that no player can be late. Every player has to arrive 30 minutes early for training. If any player is late, they get fined. Um, you know, certain things like that, even with the diet, um, he was very specific about. So I think we're starting, you know, every big manager, they obviously have these rules in place. But I think when you come to a club that's been a little bit shaken up or a little bit not performing at their best. I think it's good to have these rules because then it will kind of really tell you at least firsthand, at least for Stevie G, who are the players that, you know, worth keeping, like who are the players that are going to be worth keeping going forward or who are the players that I can trust or who should be like on the short list to get sold, even though they are a talented player, but they're not following the rules type Mm -hmm. thing. Kind of bringing the discipline black or back to Mm -hmm. all these teams that have been kind of in shambles, especially Barcelona. Oh, geez. (laughs) <laughs> I, like, I watched El Clasico this past season too. And I was like, man, this is not the same. Yeah. I'm just being Luke de Jong start for Barcelona. Yeah. It's what the heck. Yeah. yeah La, Messi. La Liga was a, <laughs> La Liga's a mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had Messi and Ronaldo at what point. Um, so now all these players that we used to see in all these big competitions, big matches now are the managers. And I'm always mm-hmm. wondering, it's like, maybe they can just sub themselves in. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably do better than half the starting 11. Maybe. I feel like Xavi would still do pretty pretty good. Like mm-hmm. Stevie G in that Aston Villa midfield of, you know, poop hits the fan. <laughs> it's like we need to snag a goal back. Usually he's pretty clutch. So Just take a I mean, long just, shot. Yeah. So you never know. But that's the thing about international break. Like all these teams kind of had these big revamps like, you know, Aston Villa, Norwich, Barcelona. And then all these new managers came in and all these players left to play for their countries and they come back and it's like, Oh, it's like a whole new culture. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they, how the players kind of adapt to it. But, um, I guess going back to your original point with Dean Smith. Yeah. uh, We both think that he's, he's not going to be the one that will take them or lead them to glory. Think it will just probably be another championship fight, uh, for next season for them. But, um, wanted to quickly pivot, not a new manager, but I think this news happened last week. It was it was to be expected because, as we know, at the 2020, 2022 World Cup in Qatar, um, we obviously know the schedule is actually going to be played in the middle of the league season. So they're going to be playing it during the winter time or early winter time um, during the World Cup. So it's going to be a little odd because, as we all know, we 
are used to the World Cup being in the summer, in the June, July months, um, kind of that time for summer summer football. But this time it's going to be the middle of the season and the Premier League announced that it'll be a break from November 12th to December 26th um, to allow time for the World Cup. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because not to mention once you finish up the World Cup, the league season has to pick back up again. And now... You're going to have players that if they had an emotional high of the World Cup, maybe they start becoming world beaters or maybe you have a, a, a top player that got, you know, to the World Cup final, got his heart broken. And then all of a sudden he's no longer the same player we once saw. So it'll be very interesting to see the emotions and the fatigue level and everything that goes along with it that plays into this uh, 2022 season, which is going to be a really weird one for all the leagues, even La Liga, Bundesliga, Premier League, all the big leagues across the world. That's going to be so weird to see because like there's certain players that were born out of the World Cup, like they gained their fame from the World yeah. Cup, you know, Thomas. like Thomas Rodriguez. Like that's probably like one of the biggest ones that we can think of just off the top of our heads. And that's really the only time he really boomed. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, Luka Modric was always always really good, but twenty that World Cup really. I mean, that's why he won the Ballon d'Or that year was because of that true. World Cup run. Um, but we've seen players kind of come up in the starlight, and Mbappe really like put his foot on the mantle as you know, I'm one of the best youngsters out there with you know his World Cup. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, James Rodriguez. Um, but then you also see players solidify their legacy as legends. You know, with you know, Zidane winning a World Cup and then Ronaldinho on that Brazil squad winning World Cups. Um, I mean, that's kind of the glory of the World Cup. You see legends be formed or you see youngsters becoming starter, like becoming stars in front of our eyes or you see these new guys come out of nowhere. It's, it's the beauty of it. Or you see sad boy hours. You see <laughs> David Luiz crying in the 7-1 against Germany. You know, you can, it's, it's a, it's a like whole Mario drama. Goetze, like players that have the one-off moment but then never really live up after that moment you have like julian yeah, Green also of the true, yeah. u.s men's national team yeah players like that and what's interesting in this is that usually that's all at the end of the season like they have a little bit of time to mentally switch it's like all right season's yeah. ended you know go work with the team go train and then go into the world cup and now since the world cup is going to be in the middle of the winter or i guess in this case in the beginning of winter but it's going to be in the middle of the season for at least the regular season for the Premier League, La Liga, yeah. all those leagues. So basically, it's going to be mid-season form for all these players. So <laughs> right now, you know, if Salo went, it'd be in, he'd be insane because right now he's one of the best players in the world just based on form and statistics and like Benzema right now as well. Mm-hmm. So like those little hot streaks, we can start to maybe see a little ahead of time going into the next season where if we see at the beginning of the season, like we see certain players going off, it's like, oh, they might actually do all right in the World Cup. And then maybe you see certain players are kind of cold. Then that actually might affect the World like Cup Harry, too. I mean, Harry Kane has been doing okay with England, but, you know, they've been, they haven't played the most good competition. But, I mean, Harry Kane, first week of the season or the first month of the season, and he comes to England you know, that's that's a big risk for England. Then all of a sudden, of course, you're going to still pick Harry Kane, but then Gareth Southgate is like, who do I play now? Do I play the striker in form or do I play Harry Kane and hope that he picks up his form during the World Cup? But you can't really, you don't have a lot of time to kind of move around and, you know, toy with things during the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You kind of just have to just win out. Because mm-hmm. it's not that many games you have to win to get yeah. to the final. But 
you know, from all these international breaks that we have been experiencing, it's all kind of going towards World Cup qualifiers. And that's why you see in the news, it's like, oh, Serbia qualified, like, oh, big news. And then, or like Canada just beat Mexico in a qualifier. Yeah. So like, it's like four years in the making, which is why it's also such a big deal for all these players to even make it or Mm -hmm. to see a team not make it at all. Like one year, Netherlands didn't make it. Italy didn't make it. Italy didn't make it. So, U.S. didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, U.S. <laughs> yeah, U.S. So, um, but I think what's also interesting is that um, since it's in the middle of the season, like you said, form, this could be the World Cup where you see a lot of top players maybe not make their World Cup squad because they're so out of form. Because, you oh. know, with the World Cup being at the end of the summer, like you said, it, it gives those players that extra couple months to maybe do something to impress the manager. I mean, we saw Jesse Lingard last season where that whole entirety of last season, it looked like he was nowhere going to be anywhere close to the England squad. He finally picked up his performances with West Ham, got a call up to the preliminaries for West or for England, you know, ultimately didn't make the final Euro squad, but at least he gave himself a fighting chance. You know, now that the world cup is in the middle of the season, what if a player such as Jesse Lingard or, or a similar player of that ilk out of form, that's their shot. That's like their shot blown of, you know, missing the world cup. And that's kind of the, the interesting part that's going to be played there, but it also leaves room for certain players. I think um, in the 2014 World Cup for Germany, I, I think Marco Royce he didn't make the squad because he picked up an injury. I think le- later into the season, but if the World Cup was in the middle of the season, he would have been part of that World Cup squad. So mm-hmm. th- you know, it can kind of go either way. So it'll be very interesting to see. You know, what if you pick up a, un- a nasty injury in the middle of the season? Then you know your your chances of making the World Cup are gone, so because you can't get recovered, so. Very, very interesting stuff or scenarios that could pop up now. Yeah. And I don't remember if any World Cup has kind of been in the scenario too, where it's just in the middle of the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's already it shady enough. Yeah, yeah. It's already shady enough that it's in Qatar. Cause I was just talking to Yash. I was like, it'd be great to go see the World Cup, but I don't know if I'd want to go in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 2026, once it's in US, Canada. Yeah. The US will be easier. It'll probably come to Atlanta. So yeah. that'll make it a little easier. Final sure. finals in uh, New Jersey, which will be fun. New Jersey, yeah, MetLife, MetLife Stadium. That that's uh, where the final is going to be. World Cup final for twenty twenty six. No offense to New Jersey, but <laughs> <laughs> that'll MetLife be crazy. Stadium. MetLife is pretty where the big Giants stadium. Play, yeah, yeah, it'll it's a pretty big stadium, so it'll be fun to see it there. But yeah, it's it's going to be fun when the World Cup is in North America for Canada. It's going to be in Canada, Mexico, and U.S. for the twenty twenty six run. I have to get World Cup tickets. We have to. Yeah, I have to too. see. There's no way it's in our it's in our territory. But there's no way we're gonna leave without getting at least one World Cup ticket. I gotta see at least one, like two games. Yeah, or something. It's like you end, up, you end up seeing Serbia versus Sweden in like group <laughs> <laughs> last match of the group stage, and both teams are not gonna make it to the knockout stage. We're just like roasting everyone. <laughs> like we're roasting New Jersey, roasting Serbia and Sweden, but and then me roasting the the MetLife Stadium. But man, I don't know. There's so many like good stadiums that have been recently built. I would think like the SoFi Stadium in LA would be one of like the good picks, like yeah. the Rams Stadium. That's in, or I, like Rams think, and Chargers. I think they probably pick uh, New Jersey because of the East Coast time zone. Because I think the West oh. Coast, it would it would kind of screw people over in the Europe, especially in Europe. Come to Atlanta then. <laughs> we got the Benz. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But um, 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's part of the reason the Russia, the World Cup in Russia, all the matches were played in the morning time. Because you remember in the Brazil World Cup, at least for the U.S., in the U.S. audience, all the click games were kind of played later in the afternoon or kind of late at night to kind of, you know, be with that time zone. So mm-hmm. I guess it just comes with the the territory of, you know, if it's early, you have to be there or be up early to watch it. Or if it's late, depending on the time zone, you just got to do what you got to do to support your team. That's true. Man, I remember having to wake up at 6 a.m. to watch like a France versus Australia game <laughs> <laughs> in the last World Cup. But you know, yeah, basically, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for just a World Cup in general. But we're already getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about 2026. We got yeah. 2022 22. to get through. Yeah, Gee, but it's coming up closer than uh, it's coming up soon. It's coming yeah. up really soon. So and we'll get more in depth kind of coverage and kind of talk about it a little bit more. Probably closer to next year, like yeah. around March when the yeah, playoffs when the, are done. Yeah, all the, the teams qualifies. are seeded. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the all the teams are in because right now there's 19 teams in, and well, there's 19 mostly, spots to 19 spots left. Oh yeah, 19 yeah. spots left. Mm-hmm. But most of the teams that are in are from Europe, and then a couple from yeah, South America. Brazil and Argentina. The South American teams in, and then yeah, pretty much all of that is just it's all Europe, and then Qatar, obviously, since they're the host country. So they get the automatic bid. I wonder how Qatar is going to do. <laughs> will they score a goal? Hey, that's wasn't Russia in that same problem. Like, if will Russia finally score a goal? Or well, I mean, we can name one Russia player. I'll a Russian player. I'll say that. Yeah, Akinfev. Yeah, Akinfev. You got. I don't know if Jakoyev still plays, or you can probably name like who else. I'm trying to think, who's Mario that right Fernandez back? Now? Yeah, Mario yeah. Fernandez. Yeah. Like, he's Brazilian converted to Russian. <laughs> it's and like uh, Matty Cash. He's now plays for the Poland national team. What the heck? Yeah. Matty Cash. The Aston Villa right Poland. back. <laughs> Poland might not even qualify. Yeah. He switched so, uh, switched to the Poland national team. So I mean, he had a better chance with Poland than the yeah. stacked England team because it's just all right backs. <laughs> but I mean... But- we'll see i can't even name one guitar player that's the, that's the thing yeah i can't either so it'll be interesting to see how they do as a host nation but who knows what's going to happen um on that mm-hmm. on that front but yeah that's uh world cup coming up in 2022 we're excited it'll be fun um but wanted to move over to this cool section obviously since it was international break there was no really any games going on but uh really cool little section i guess we have planned out is fifa players um, that are good in the game, but are bad in real life or vice versa. So they're good in real life, but not too hot in the game. Um, and this is just, you know, Tyler and I, you know, our personal opinions, just playing FIFA throughout the years and different FIFAs we've played and playing with friends and um, just kind of knowing how FIFA is in general, like which players are better suited for the game slash which players are just better in real life. Um, so, it, you know, just kind of a fun thing. So I, I guess I'll start it off. Um, I'll go with Harry Kane, good in real life. Obviously, this season's kind of an anomaly, but good in real life, historically speaking, but bad in FIFA. In a sense, he's bad in FIFA because, as we know, Harry Kane is not the quickest striker in the world when you have, I guess, in his couple years ago in the heyday when you could have picked strikers that are a lot faster. You know, just the way FIFA is, I know they try to change it every year, but pace is really important in FIFA and Harry Kane does not have it. You can still play with Harry Kane and get away because obviously if you shoot with any type of goal with him, it's probably going to go in, but you need to play 
you need to be a, a decent FIFA player to know how to use him. You can't just basically try to run with him and hold R2. You need to know how to use him. So that's why I'm going with Harry Kane. Good in real life, bad in FIFA. Um, just because the lack of pace lets him down. I mean, like this whole concept, I was also thinking too. It's just, it's so interesting because it's going to kind of sway the opinions and like the players that people like for like a whole generation. Yeah. Or... For example, for me, I can pick like a like a similar scenario where Kaylor Navas, like the keeper for PSG right now, he's great in real life. He's like one of the best keepers in the world. He was one of those standout keepers in the World Cup as well for Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And in game, he's terrible because <laughs> he's kind of shorter than the average keeper is around six feet tall, like barely. And in game, you know, it favors the players that are kind of taller, faster. And that's kind of been like the trend throughout all of FIFA's. It's just kind of the ones who are kind of like the freaks of nature can do the best. Yeah. And I was always wondering, it's like, do these kind of trends kind of correlate to real life at all? <laughs> it's like, probably not, because then you can start seeing certain players that are kind of average in real life that are good in the game. Like, uh, Seydou Dumbia is really one of the best examples. One of the former Roma strikers. He is basically like if you played FIFA, everyone knows who he is. He's a striker, basically one of the fastest players in the game for a long time. And he was able to score just because, you know, the game's a little broken. If you <laughs> just you only do is tap a button to finish the ball. But in real life, you know, you wouldn't really know who he is. <laughs> He's never like a top goal scorer. He I, I assume rarely hits above double digit goals. But I mean, it's just not really newsworthy of a player. Mm-hmm. So I was always kind of wondering about that too. It's like, so, like say you do Dumbia is like one of those players that just gets famous from like a video game. Whereas yeah. in real life, it's like no one knows about him. You don't see anyone with a Dumbia jersey like yeah. walking around. No one you knows. See players, you know, Harry Kane walking around, but you don't ever see anyone using Harry Kane in FIFA though. Yeah. Especially in Ultimate Team where, you know, it's Harry Kane at, you know, at that point when you pack him, it's just like, oh, he's good SBC. Or he's good, you know, can I resell him for a high price for like when SBCs come out so I can get a decent price on him? So it's because no one's using him because he's too slow. Yeah. I literally um, did that this season. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You have a case case in point example right here. Um, but Sado Dumbio, that's a that's a good shot because I think that's definitely... I mean, you could honestly say that whole front three of Gervinho, Dumbia, and Ibarbo. Uh, I mean, do, they, do we ever talk about them in real life? Outside of just the FIFA nostalgia, I don't think so. You know, he had Jervinho for a, a while on Arsenal. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, the forehead, mm-hmm. as KSI used to call him. Yeah, <laughs> but like Barbo, I don't know. I, I or that Eterby. You remember Eterby from that yeah. other fast? Like, what is he doing at this point? You know, he's not doing anything. Eternal. So, yeah, exactly. So, the Harry Kane's a good shot, and uh, this one, this next one, I guess might make couple of United States fans a little unhappy. Um, unfortunately, it's Christian Pulisic. He's really, I think he's a really good player in real life. He, does, he he shows up in clutch moments. You know, when he's not injured, he can perform really well. But in FIFA, just his body type in terms of him being kind of a shorter guy, but also not being the most physical of players, he gets brushed off the ball pretty easily. And I don't, his passing, I guess in FIFA, just is never the best. He does have a lot of pace, but... Um, at least for FIFA, all of his other stats don't really match up to maybe some of the performances he puts in real life. So in FIFA, he's kind of, um, 
what's the best way? He doesn't really perform the best way. I guess he doesn't really perform that well. Uh, if you watch him in real life, you would think the guy's probably, you know, really good FIFA. Like on FIFA, he must be a really good player to use, but he's just not. He gets brushed off the ball easily. I don't think the passing's the best. Um, and just whenever I used him, I've never had the best luck in terms of scoring a lot of great goals or creating a lot of chances. It just kind of disappears whenever I play with them on FIFA. He's a little the number 10 of Chelsea. Yeah. But, I mean, Pulisic has a lot of intangibles that you can't really put data on. Where it's yeah. just, you know, he gets goals. Yeah, clutch. When he plays. He gets clutch goals. But there's no such thing as like a clutch gene <laughs> in a video game. Yeah. Unless all of a sudden he's, he's in high and low percentage scoring situations. They just all of a sudden find a way to score. And you just kind of rig it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if EA did something like that. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing, too, is always kind of like whenever I, I was talking to a friend about how do I know if a player is good in game versus in real life? It's like you kind of just look for the players of like a certain body type and a certain height, certain pace. And that's why Christian Pulisic, for example, is just one of those ones where it's like you would think he's good, but in game, not the best. Yeah. And that kind of stems to one of like the questions I also had, which was like, what kind of player would you pick? If you had like the ideal body type, like attributes and everything that would translate closest to real life. And I would think like Adama Traore because he's literally like 99 strength, 99 <laughs> pace, like that kind of flair. It's just his finishing real life is not the best. And in game, you know, you can only make someone's finishing a stat between one to 99 and 99 being the highest one being the lowest. And even if you put him like a 76 or like a 65 that he's still going to score a majority of them compared to like real life so yeah it always kind of i guess that also kind of gives us some slight expectations on some of these players because whenever i see uh dama play in real life i'm always thinking oh he's doing way better <laughs> for wolves because yeah in game he's insane yeah. but i think that's kind of like that kind of bias i put on Adama, where you know i've seen what he could be at peak digital form. Yeah, but in, in, in game or in real life, it just doesn't perform that well. He may have spurts doing that, but he can't do it consistently enough where he shows off that pace and skill and, you know, his other moves that he has. Yeah. And even in real life, he has an, an added bonus of having baby oil on his arms <laughs> so he can't get grabbed. So you would think even with that, it would translate a little bit better. Like he's literally the, the prime player that you would wish you'd have in game and in real life but it still doesn't even translate there so mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the interesting ones i was thinking about too yeah that's a that's a good shout i think that's um very true because any fifa player you play with they they always pick adama triori in the beginning because he's really good in terms of the pace skill and everything but in I real life <laughs> yeah he's still a pretty decent player to use throughout fifa but um in real life as we've seen countless times we've talked about him he's not very consistent um, and I wanted to pick, I guess, my third player. I have four players on my list, but my third player um, hurts one. This one hurts to say is Anthony Martial. Uh, really good, actually, in FIFA. Has been really good for ever since, I would say, FIFA 17, where he was OP. Um, but unfortunately, in real life, pretty inconsistent. Uh, at times, you get a really good Martial, but a lot of times, you get a man Martial. And in the game, for some reason, it just feels like the way his body is and the way his physical traits are... And I would say, you know, obviously he has better finishing than Mars or better finishing than a Triore. He's got good skill moves. I believe he's like a four-star skiller in the game. Mm -hmm. Weak foot is about three stars, so not the best, but 
Um, you know, in game, he's got the dribbling, he's got the pace, he's got a decent enough shooting. So that's why he's so good in real life or good in FIFA. And also his strength, he's a pretty strong um, person on FIFA as well. So his strength also helps him out and helps him out in FIFA. So for me, Anthony Marcial, he's been one of the better players in FIFA for a while. I feel like since FIFA 17, he's just been kind of an OP type of player. Um, but now he's just he's just cemented as a, a good FIFA player that a lot of people end up picking when they start out their teams early on. <laughs> I also still use Martial. <laughs> Tony Martial, there we go. But it kind of also got me thinking, like the way you kind of described him. It almost sounds almost like a scout report at times where it's like, you know, this is a potential this player could have. And like these are all of his credentials that he's had in the past several years because you can go back to, you know, FIFA's from FIFA 17, FIFA 16, and you can see what Martial was like in that game. And he's almost the same yeah. <laughs> consistently. And you're thinking it's like, man, one, maybe one year he can just boom because he has all the, the everything you want in a player who plays up top is a winger. And in game, it just is perfect. But like in real life, it's just something's missing. It's just you always wonder if the coach is like kind of thinking in the back of their head. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the coach plays FIFA It's like, what's what am I what am I doing wrong to this man? <laughs> it's like <laughs> He could be a goal machine, but it's just the attitude has to be confidence. there and everything. That's true. And then he also uh, he just keeps losing hair, <laughs> according to his picture. Yeah. But one of the things I also want to bring up, too, is that. We're mentioning all these stats and ratings for players, but there are players in real life that play FIFA in real life, like professional players. Like Diogo Jota apparently is one of the best players in the world mm-hmm. for FIFA. He qualifies for foot champs and gets usually some pretty high rankings, yeah. which is like the very competitive uh, league which within FIFA. And it's kind of surprising. Like he was injured for a certain portion of his Liverpool career. And during that, he just played FIFA. Yeah. (laughs) And um, certain players, like even that we mentioned, like Guillermo Ochoa, he streams. Like he literally has a whole Chicharito play. I don't know if he plays FIFA, but I knew he streams. But Sergio Aguero plays FIFA. João Felix plays FIFA. I know Declan Rice plays um, a good bit. But yeah, like you said, there's a ton of big players that stream or play FIFA a ton. It's always interesting to see like what they think of their own ratings. And I feel like one of the underrated ones is still Diogo Jota, just because he's still like 82 rated, which on average is like that's above average, just slightly above average. But given his season last season, you would think he's, you know, one of one of the top players, at least mm-hmm. like maybe 84 or something, which is kind of more higher above average. But uh, I always kind of wonder if these kind of players have any influence to EA or how the game's developed, because, you know, if they're playing it, they can literally tell the developers like, hey, give me a little boost here. Give me something. It's <laughs> like something's not right. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm still 82 rated. Yeah. Uh, but I know like the the players, they get the 99 rated card. So, you know, they're kind of golden in that sense. That's they true. Get the, they're the professional player card. Whenever they so come like out. what you like, what you just kind of mentioning is like um, there's like a game mode within FIFA called Ultimate Team where you can just build your own squad. But professional players, you get the luxury of getting your own card, special card, where it's just max out stats. So it's just 99 everything, and then it's just you. <laughs> so <laughs> if if we happen to be professional players, we'd each get like a, like yes, we get a Yush card, I would get a Tyler card, and then we'd be able to use it depending on whatever position we played. So, you know, if Yush played striker, he'd get a striker Yush card that was just maxed out. And if I, if I played goalie, I'd just get a goalie maxed out Tyler card. 
But mm-hmm. it's still be our real life like height and weight and stuff. So I don't know how well I do at five eight. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of that as well. But it's always just an interesting dynamic just to see like the meta of seeing a professional player use himself and his own team in FIFA. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, it's pretty cool, though, like when you do, I know people get pretty excited when they see like who they get matched up with, because, you know, if they have that card, only that person that, you know, that player you're playing against that player because there's no way anyone else could have that card. I but, always I always felt, though, whenever I did play career mode, um, I always felt like it took me whenever I signed a whole ton of players in the transfer window. I always felt like it took me about two or three games until I got really comfortable with the new team and could start scoring goals again. Um I don't know if that's just FIFA being FIFA in the first couple of games and not letting you win because you signed all these players or if that's legitimately the player trying to mesh with all the players he just got. So it's almost like real life where you have to get comfortable about like which player is going to be doing what and how to play each certain player. Um, so it's all really interesting. That's just like one of those interesting hypotheticals I could throw out there. Yeah. There, is some, there is some merit to even having FIFA and just playing it. Because sometimes that's how you also learn about what players might be up and coming next. Yeah, like, just by highest potential and, you know, finding out about certain teams or certain leagues and then who are the best players in that league. And then that can help you follow the league. And then from there, you, your, your, your fandom just kind of takes you from wherever wherever you just started. Yeah. And that's how like certain players you might not even heard of in real life. But like a lot of people also know like Hachim Masur. Mm-hmm. much or like <laughs> the old ac milan player yeah or like what's another one that kind of fell off like odegaard i guess well he's he's back now he's at arsenal but for the yeah. longest time he was just in purgatory just kind of still finding his career mm-hmm. but yeah yeah so, i know there, there's a ton of players that are out there i i was gonna put one other player uh on my list that i had was the last one was nick pope um I would say he's an all right keeper in real life, but definitely the hype around him in terms of his real life form has faded away greatly. I think he was probably at his peak in the 2019-20 season. I think that was probably his best season um, with Burnley. Uh, but obviously the the hype around him has faded away. And I would say he's an average keeper in real life. He's nothing you know world beater like, but um, especially in FIFA 21, he was the keeper that was on everyone's squad and everyone was using him and for some reason he played almost like he was a 99 rated keeper you know team of the season keeper but he was still only i believe 82 or 81 rated on his base card so that's one of those other ones where you have an opposite of Kaylor navas Kaylor Kaylor navas where navas is one of the best keepers in the world but he doesn't play that well in fifa but you know nick pope is average in real life but he plays like a world beater on on fifa which is really funny I mean, granted, he did have that one season where he got the Golden Glove, but that was it. And yeah. now he's just kind of like, kind of meh, kind of average on mm-hmm. a kind of struggling Burnley side. But I mean, in game, he's still a god. Six, seven. Yeah. It, it was always funny because you'd have these squads. People would have, you know, 95 rated players across the board, all these special cards. And you just have gold Nick Pope, 82 <laughs> just, rated. Yeah, just Nick Pope because he's like, he's huge. Mm-hmm. And there's not really any other player. Like you would, you would prefer a Nick Pope over a Kaylor Navas, yeah. which is the craziest part. Whereas, you know, that's where you kind of have to kind of remember. It's like, it's still also at points of video game mm-hmm. in real life. I'd definitely take Navas. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and you know, it's always funny. Cause then, you know, you get players that only play FIFA. So when they do watch real life, they're like, Oh, why isn't so-and-so player not starting? Well, it's, you know, they're not really good in real life or they're not really good. Yeah. In real life, but they're good in FIFA. So where it's like, it's, why didn't that guy do a low driven shot? <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> you know, that person should have easily just rainbow flicked, flicked it over the other defender's head, fake shot, La Croqueta into the inside, and then just driv- driven it far post or something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll get that and, and then you just got to realize like, you know, th- this is a game. So it's like, obviously the stuff you do skill-wise is um, either unrealistic or, you know, if a player tried doing that in real life, they'll probably get their legs chopped off <laughs> by the defender, um, by an angry defender. So that's always the funniest thing because you see players, people on Twitter talking about, oh, why didn't so-and-so player do you know, like an elastico right here and then went around the defender. I was like, that's really hard to do. <laughs> to do that in real life when it's like going 100 miles per hour when you have like no stamina, it's pretty hard to do. And they got like 100,000 people watching you live and then millions on TV and if you just mess up or do something goofy, yeah, you're going to be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Or like, what was the FIFA 19 skill mode? The tornado flick or the sombrero or what was it called? I mean, both of those are actual skill moves in the game. But I what think was the, the OP one? It was it was the croquetta. It was um, oh, okay. Because I know there wasn't there one where you flicked it and you just did like a crazy flick and then just cross it while it's still in the like a half volley cross. Oh, that'd be sombrero flick then. Okay, you just kind of flick it above you and then just. <laughs> but yeah, so you see, you, the <laughs> players are not doing that in real life. If they do, it's very, 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 very on a rare occasion that they have the time and skill to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And have the cojones, the balls, even do it with like yeah. Vinicius Junior or like Neymar. Exactly. But even you see like Neymar doesn't really do it as much these days. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he probably knows now that you know if I do it, I and these players know if they do it, they're probably going to get hacked down the next time they get the ball or get like a you know kind of a slightly harsher challenge the next time they get the ball. So it's yeah, kind you never of want to be the the defender on the end of these. Yeah, <laughs> it's never <laughs> fun. You're going to be in someone's highlight reel, like Jerome Boateng against Messi. <laughs> yeah, so FIFA definitely, there is good to kind of help you get started. But there's definitely, you know, if you play too much of it, you kind of develop kind of an unrealistic mindset of like what's actually possible in real life in terms of what players can or cannot do. So it's always good just kind of keeping that perspective in there. But, you know, we wanted to just throw this fun section in there because it's fun. And, you know, we play FIFA a good bit. So it was kind of good to mm-hmm. kind of have the two words, two worlds kind of mix in together but um moving on i guess into the last section is our preview section we don't have uh you know obviously international break nothing else was going on but preview wise some decent matchups actually in the premier league um obviously liverpool arsenal the big um hollywood matchup the big blockbuster one but leicester chelsea is an interesting one because uh leicester obviously are not doing too well but brendan Rodgers, his name has been really heavily linked to the manchester united job Recently, he said that he has denied all those reports and is focused on Leicester. Chelsea, obviously, are in the process of gunning for the title, you know, trying to keep up the momentum of being in first place. So they're going to the KP, but eh, Leicester haven't been too good this season. So I'm actually, I'll I'll roll with Chelsea. I think they'll get a 2-1 victory over Leicester. I was thinking as well, you know, Leicester, not the Leicester from previous seasons. Right now, they're sitting in 12th place. And I feel like Brandon Rodgers would be slightly distracted, at least, with all these rumors. Because, like, if you think about it, like, Manchester United, one of the biggest jobs in all soccer. Like, if you think about it, it's, like, top five, if not Mm -hmm. top three, just because of the fan base, the history, the pedigree, and also just all the kind of responsibilities that kind of come with it. So... I mean, for him, he's probably thinking in the back of his head, he's like, oh, man, <laughs> <It's> like, 
I personally say he should still stay at Leicester just because I feel like it kind of fits his wheelhouse about what kind of coach he is, kind of more developmental, kind of brings in the most out of kind of younger players or players that really don't have too much name and ego. And then it's kind of developing those. Whereas if we went to Manchester United, it's more about just winning, 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 no matter what. So, and then you're going to deal with Ronaldo. <laughs> so <laughs> on top of that, it's going to be a big opportunity for him, but it's kind of distracting and not really his cup of tea, in my opinion. But I still think that's distracting enough. And Chelsea right now, first place, you know, they, they have like their goals in mind. Like they're trying to win the title. Obviously, they're going to be cruising in the Champions League pretty soon after week or match five, I believe, coming up during Thanksgiving break. And they basically have only lost one game, whereas, you know, Leicester, they're kind of struggling. So I think I'm going to agree with you, Yush. The very kind of struggling Leicester side, kind of distracted side, we'll lose 2-1 to Chelsea. All right, yeah. So we're both going for 2-1 victories for Chelsea. I think you know, they'll probably just keep on rolling as they normally do. But next game, uh, two teams we don't normally talk about, but Aston Villa, Brighton. Obviously, Aston Villa in the spotlight because of Steven Gerrard um, taking over as their manager. And Brighton have been doing pretty well this season with Graham Potter playing good, some good stuff. You know, Villa, this, you know, this is Stevie G, his first game. I believe it's home game. Um, be interesting to see how he gets kicked on and how he gets stuck in as a manager. This is a big test. I think with the new manager bounce, I think he's going to have, you know, the place kind of, you know, bouncing with the players, the fan base. Everyone's going to be kind of, you know, ready to see what's going on. Um, I know it's going to be a little bit of a pressurized situation coming back to the Premier League as a manager, but I think you're going to see enough in that game where I think, you know, Aston Villa can win 3-2. I think it's going to be, you know, not the most defensively organized game, but I feel like the the emotion and the vibes will probably carry Aston Villa through to a victory. I think so, too. I feel like that new manager bounce is a real thing. And Steven Gerrard is going to come in and want to put, you know, a, a statement in this game against a Brighton side that's been surprising this season as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it'd be like a 2-1 to Aston Villa. But I will say Brighton, you know, they kind of do play to the level of their opponents. You know, they're drawn against Liverpool, <laughs> unfortunately. They're drawn against Arsenal during their unbeaten run, Arsenal's <laughs> unbeaten run. But they have lost to like the bigger teams, like you know Man City. Um, but I think with this side, I it's it won't be enough for Brighton. I always kind of put them down, but <laughs> I just feel like this Villa side, there's something to play for for them. Yeah, you know, Stevie Stevie G at the wheel, anything's possible. So I'm going to give it a two one to old Stevie. Oh, okay, I'm going three two Villa. Uh, Tyler's going to win Aston Villa, both picking up Villa victories. And then finally, the biggest game of the weekend, Liverpool-Arsenal. Liverpool hosting the hot Arsenal right now on a huge unbeaten run um, at Anfield. Arsenal in the top four right now. Mikel Arteta has them clicking. They've been playing good stuff. Emil Smith-Rowe has been kind of a superstar, one of the big you know youngsters that has been making his name for Arsenal this season. Liverpool, obviously, have slipped up a tiny bit. You know, they haven't lost, but they, you know, they've dropped some points here and there where they probably should have won, uh, where they lost a little bit of control in the game. But this will be an interesting matchup because as we've normally seen Liverpool Arsenal, it always lives up to like kind of a high school, high, high goal scoring affair, a lot of fireworks. But recently it's kind of been Liverpool just dominating Arsenal from the get go and Arsenal not having even a chance to breathe. I think this game will be a little bit different. I think Arsenal will have the confidence and kind of the, you know, 
the swagger about them that they're going to walk into Anfield and maybe not play the, the total complete Mikel Arteta way, but at least do enough, you know, to be themselves competitive enough to stay in the game. So because of that, I think this game, ultimately, I think Liverpool will win 2-1, but I think it will actually be a really close game. And I think Liverpool can probably nick a goal maybe late in the second half, probably around the 80th or 70th minute to um, win this game. But I, I think Arsenal, the way they've been playing, I think they can keep themselves in the game and maybe potentially you know, walk away with the victory. But I, I think ultimately Liverpool's quality might just be a little bit too much for Arsenal right now. This is going to be just all 2-1 predictions for me this week. <laughs> like, I'm going to go 2-1 for Liverpool as well. And the reason why is because Arsenal, ever since their 5-0 loss to Man City, they haven't lost yet. Yeah. But since then, the best opponent they face is Man City. And the <laughs> next best is basically, like, Brighton or Tottenham. So, I feel like they've also, it's almost like fool's gold a little bit. Where, although we can clearly see they're doing way better since bringing in all the youth and they're playing a lot more expansive football, a lot quicker, a lot more identity to their play. This is going to be a big test to see if they can actually stack up to like kind of the bigger teams. So Liverpool also coming off of a loss to West Ham. It's going to be like a slap in the face. Like they can't be losing two games in a row or even dropping points two games in a row, mm-hmm. especially after kind of five games in a row as well, kind of conceding goals here and there. I think this is going to be a big statement game for Liverpool, especially at home at Anfield. So it will be a 2-1. It will be close. I agree with you, Josh, on that. But I think this is going to be the end of a streak for Arsenal. Their unbeaten streak kind of ends here. And we're going to have mm. to see how Arsenal kind of rebound from that going on from the rest of the season. That's yeah, my you, It's a hot take. <laughs> do you think Liverpool go 2-up, two 2-0 two up, and then they just concede a random goal? Or do you think it's like 1-1? One, one, Arsenal maybe take a 1-0 lead and then Liverpool bounce, you know, fire back. I think it will be Liverpool takes the lead, Arsenal grab a goal, and then Liverpool grab that winning goal late on in the second half. I could see a 2-0 first and then Arsenal get a, a random goal just because of <laughs> a defensive error or a weird call. Like, that's basically been the trend of the pra- the past games so far for Liverpool. So I'll, I'll probably go with that just because of historical data and what we've been seeing <laughs> but i don't see liverpool going down mm. i don't see him going uh behind at points in the game it's kind of rare for them to happen so i'll stick yeah. with that yeah so we'll see what happens this will be a fun game we're both predicting to one victory we actually predicted victories for all the same team so we'll see if it actually comes true or which score lines come into fruition but Uh-oh. it'll you know be what that means yeah nil nils <laughs> across the board all wrong <laughs> yeah so it'll be a fun weekend to see what happens. It's, it's nice to have the league play back in action. Premier League's going to be busy. All the leagues are going to be busy. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see what happens. Um, but th- that kind of wraps up Season 4, Episode 132 for us. As we always say, you can follow us at the, Premier Pod, at the Premier Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also watch video versions of this podcast on YouTube. Um, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, The Premier Pod. And if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, um, be sure to leave us a review or rating. It helps us out and gets us boosted in terms of seeing other people, you know, catching on to the podcast and getting it out there in the world. But If you don't want to leave a review, simply just take the time to listen. It's more than enough. And also, if you want to share this podcast with someone um, that is interested in the Premier League or soccer in general, um, we greatly appreciate the support anytime we can get it or anywhere we get it. So thank you again if you've been sharing the podcast with anyone. But yeah, that kind of wraps up 
season four, episode 132 for us. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Peace. Peace.